there because they soon will be my son-in-laws. So kind of excited about that. You know, and, and uh, <laughs> that whole ordeal, I know my, uh, I just found out that my brother-in-law is, uh, is going to have that interesting talk, you know, with his soon-to-be possibly son-in-law. <laughs> and uh, Mike, what do I say? Uh, you know, you, first of all, you strike the fear of God in them, and then now, one of the things is that, uh, is that you, you know, as a, as a dad looking for a man to spend the rest of his life with your daughter, it's, you know, it's, it's character that counts, isn't it? You know, they can have a lot of great desires, <laughs> but it's their character that counts, because character makes a difference, doesn't it? You know, uh, there's an a, a institute called the Josephson Institute. They have a mission, and it's to improve character. Some of you have heard its founder, Michael Josephson, on the news or the radio or on the internet with his uh, segment called Character Counts. Uh, The Institute has conducted programs to uh, well over 100,000 leaders and influential people. They've conducted it with public officials, school administrators, military police, uh, journalists, uh, corporate officers, executives, judges, lawyers, and even in other countries, uh, challenging people to build character uh, they've done also extensive study. Uh, one of their studies they, is that they found that uh, though 89% of students believe they are a good person, almost one in three boys and one in four girls admit to stealing. <laughs> 80% say they have lied extensively. 59% say they've cheated. And yet with all this and even more data from this study, an amazing 92% say that they were satisfied uh, with their personal ethics and character, saying, when it comes to doing right, <laughs> I do better than most. I don't know if that strikes you a little bit funny, but, uh, you know, all these things. Uh, and the sad truth is we're not that much different. In, uh, in his seminars, Michael Joseph gives a little quiz, uh, testing integrity, so I thought I'd give it to you and see how you do. Now, don't answer out loud, uh, audibly, but... But would you, uh, would you go back and tell the clerk if you had discovered you were undercharged by $10? Would you use the express lane at the grocery store even though it's posted 15 items or less? Uh, Would you lie about your child's age to save $30 on an amusement park? Would you lie about your child's address to get her into a better school? Would you make an unauthorized copy of software, CDs, or DVDs? Would you deliberately omit an important fact in a discussion with a friend to get them to do what you want? Would you lie to someone to avoid an uncomfortable conversation? Starting to get a little uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> Would you give false, a false excuse to, uh, for missing work or an appointment? Would you lie to cover for your boss? Would you ask someone to lie for you to get out of a jam? Would you exaggerate your previous pay or experience on your resume? And more pertinent right now... <laughs> Would you falsely record income or expenses for your taxes? Now, the Josephson Institute goes on to say that uh, we're not to confuse character with reputation. Abraham Lincoln said, Character is like a tree and reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. Some people spend too much time worrying about the shadow and too little time concerned about the tree. Reputation is fragile, character endures. 
You see, character is the ability to summon the, the moral strength to do what is right, even when it's difficult. Now, we just happen to have got out of the archives, courtesy of Geico, uh, kind of maybe what Abe Lincoln faced. Check this out. Does this dress make my backside look big? Perhaps it will. <laughs> People of character do the right thing even when it's not popular. <laughs> Uh, and when no one is looking, they live up to their values, and even when there's no advantage to do so. Now, the truth is, no one is born with good character. It's something we have to build and protect day by day, decision by decision. Uh, Tim Irwin found that character is what derailed some very successful CEOs. Uh, check out this video. Our next guest says there are common factors of failure to help you and your company succeed. Dr. Tim Irwin is the author of the new book, Derailed. Good morning to you, Dr. Irwin. Good morning, Gretchen. So I find this fascinating that after 20 years of experience of studying CEOs and what makes the companies tick and what makes them successful, you actually found what makes them fail, right? What are some of the key things? Because I'm thinking of, for example, you point out uh, Robert Nardelli, the former CEO of Home Depot and Chrysler. What did he do specifically that was wrong? Well, Gretchen, one of the things I found is that character trumps competence. I studied these six CEOs that failed, and they were all very competent, but they all failed because of character. And incidentally, one of the things that I've learned is that the very reasons that we fail were the same reasons these CEOs fail. It just doesn't show up on Fox Business News when it happens to us. But one of the things I found about Robert Nardelli was arrogance. For example, he had this private elevator that went from his private parking spot directly to his office without stopping on other floors. And people at that company began to see that that was really a symbol of this arrogance and this dismissiveness. And these were the people that he needed to lead in order to be effective. You know, it's so interesting because you would think that, they, that these CEOs would look at what works in society. I'm thinking of the guy who ran Walmart. I mean, he seemed to just be a man of the people. And yet, what is it about these CEOs? It just all goes to their head? You know, I think that's a big problem, Gretchen. And by the way, this is not only a problem in business. We see it in politics. We see it in sports. I mean, we've seen people of great influence in a lot of different fields who've crashed and burned just in the recent months. I mean, look at uh, Elliot Spitzer, John Edwards, Mark Sanford, Tiger Woods. I mean, these are all people of great influence, and yet they failed really for the same reasons. It was character. You know, it's true that you could have all the greatest uh, talent in the world uh, and have so much going for you, yet character trumps confidence. Uh, Tim Irwin goes on and he mentions a number of others of, of CEOs, very talented people who were all derailed because they didn't have the character that counted. They didn't have a, a good character that, that kept them going. And, and, and even us, we're leery. We're leery of people of questionable character. I mean, who wants to be in a friendship or in a relationship with somebody who's arrogant or somebody who's stingy or somebody who lies a lot or, or you can't trust them or they're void of love or they're judgmental? See, Jesus' desire is that we would reflect His good character, to be like Him because He is the ultimate example of character. 
of good character, of the right character. So how do we be like Jesus? How do we reach this good character? Well, this next section of the Bible book of Luke that we've been studying through has some answers, giving us four choices to build character Jesus' way from Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 49. So I'd like for us to explore that. Before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing, and let me lead us in prayer. One of the things about our lives is that we're responsible for our life. You're responsible and for your character and for the development of your character. Because we're not born that way, it's our responsibility to develop the right character the right way. And God tells us and he challenges us and he gives us great guidance from his word. So let's pray that he would give us that this morning. Father, I'm thankful that you didn't leave us to flounder in this world alone that we would let the talents that you've given us go to waste because of bad character, yet you give us uh, examples and, and coaches and guides and especially your son Jesus to follow as we learn how to do and be and how to develop good character. Father, I'm praying this morning that you'd help us. Holy Spirit, teach us what you need us to learn today, even in our own selves, Lord. Challenge us, we pray in your son's name. Amen. You may have a seat and encourage you to take out your outline that's, that was given to you and flip it over. There are some notes to jot down. Now, we have got a lot of scripture to cover today, uh, and uh, so I encourage you to write down some notes. I'll be giving you some other verses to look through, but if you don't have a Bible with you this morning and you'd like one, our ushers are coming down here, just wave at them. They've got a loaner Bible to let you have. Uh, you can follow along because you'll want to be able to keep up with us as we look at Luke chapter 6. As they come down, just hand them one, and they'll, but please leave it in your seat when you... Uh, go, don't take it with you. If you don't have a Bible and want one, just at the, at the end, head out to uh, the information desk and they'd be happy to give you a Bible. Uh, all we ask is that you read it. So four choices to build character Jesus' way out of this interesting passage in Luke chapter 6. The first choice to build character Jesus' way is to choose, and you're going to need to change your outline. We said chose instead of choose. So uh, choose to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know if this has happened to you or not, but uh, you've been caravanning with some friends <laughs> uh, driving down the freeway, and maybe your friend has one of those uh, uh, silver Toyota pickup trucks. It seems like there's 35,000 million on the road, and, and you're following one, and all of a sudden, about 20 miles down the road, you realize, that's not my friend's car, <laughs> and I'm going the wrong way. I don't know if that's happened to you, it, it's happened to me, but... Uh, uh, it's easy for us to get off track, and, and really that same thing can happen in our lives when it comes to character development, if we're not careful whom we choose to follow. And in this section of Luke, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 16, Jesus makes some choices. So let's look at that Jesus uh, choice here in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. He says, on one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the whole night praying. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he designated as apostles. And then you can read later the rest of the, of the passage there about who he chose. He chose the 12. Uh, the idea is Ju Jesus chose 12 people. Now, these were not any kind of superhero kind of guys. They were normal, average Joes. <laughs> uh, maybe even a little quirky, like the person sitting next to you. But it, it's... Uh, um, the truth is, is that he chose them. And the reality is, Jesus has chosen us. Uh, take your Bibles and flip over uh, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, 1 Peter is, 
is right before 2 Peter. It kind of works that way, and it's towards the end of the New Testament. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we've read this verse a number of times. It says, But we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now, write down somewhere on your notes to read that rest of the section all the way through. You can even go all the way through the rest of the chapter specifically the next few verses, because it talks about how we need to step up to follow Jesus, and and it tells us why. But the truth is that we're chosen. God has chosen us. Just like Jesus chose the twelve, God and Jesus have chosen us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says that we are adopted. We're chosen as adopted kids, part of God's forever family. And I love this passage in Isaiah. It's up on the screen. Isaiah 41, verses 9 through 10. It says, God says, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners. I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you and help you and will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, I... I don't know if, if you were like me, but I, I know what it's like to not be chosen. You know, when I was a little kid uh, and it came down time to play kickball, you know, all the kids line up on the backstop and they choose the, the, the tallest and the best looking guys to be the, the captains. And then the rest of us kind of stand there and hoping we're picked first or second or third or fourth. And then it gets down to the last two guys. Some guy who's over here picking his nose and McKay. And then, then the argument starts. You know the argument. No, you take him. No, I took him last time. You have to take him. <laughs> so you hang your head and you walk over there because the one guy says, I'll take them both. <laughs> but the truth is, is that God chose us first. Now, not first among anybody, but that idea that he chose us because he loves us. And it feels good to be chosen. But Jesus doesn't force us to choose him. And though Jesus chose the 12, they needed to choose to follow him because it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen if you go to church. You see, you have to choose to follow Jesus every day. You know, um, it's, it's, like a, it's, it's like going to uh, being a part of a gym. I'm a, a member of a gym, a local gym down here, and I love watching people. You know, as I'm doing there, doing my exercise... I'll be watching some people, and uh, um, I'm doing my exercise, and I see them come in, I'm doing my exercise, and I watch, and I think, okay, what are they going to do? So they go over, and they try one machine, they just kind of step on it, and kind of do a couple things, and they, and they stop that, then they go over to another machine, and kind of do one of these, and they stop that, and, then they, and they never really exercise, but they just kind of try a few things out, you know, and kind of wipe the sweat off their brow, and then they walk out, and I went, wow, did they really apply themselves <laughs> to the exercise? Well the, well, the point is this is that, you know, a lot of us can come to faith and believe in Jesus. And if we want to develop character, it's going to take that uh, willingness to, to be involved in the exercises that God takes us through, the trials and the tribulations and the, and, and the living life His way, till we can exercise and begin to build the character, the muscles that God wants us to build. We need to go through those exercises so it produces those good characters. One of them is prayer. Verse 12 is, is very clear. Jesus went out uh, into the mountain alone to pray. One of the greatest character traits you can build is a heart of prayer. Uh, prayer is talking to God and listening to Him. 
Now write down somewhere in your margin there, Luke chapter 11. Now we're going to get to that in a couple weeks, but if you want to know how to pray, the disciples came to Jesus and said, how do we pray? And he, started, and he shared with them. And read that on your own, we'll talk about it in a few weeks. But Jesus has called us up to build good, godly character and chosen all of us to be about our unique call, this journey of, of listening to God and, and following life His way. And when we go through that exercise, we build good, godly character. I just got an email last night or, or the other day where one of the new members of our church just saw that, that God wanted to use them in a unique way, and so they are now volunteering at a, at a homeless shelter and helping out there. We've got a, a Chris and Don Hay. A, a, they felt of God that, that one of the unique things he wanted them to do is to start a retreat for pastors because Chris is a former pastor and, and, uh, um, and so now they have a treat that's going on this week of, of caring for and, and, and helping pastors who are going through troubles and just needing a break and, and, there's, and there's others people are, who are involved in that and I know that the, the, the Edwards, Jeff and Mary are thinking about being involved or they are being involved in, the, in an international plant down in uh, Fountain Valley and, and, and others are involved Norm is over there helping at the senior center and, and those of you are being involved in your community and your kids school and and in your neighborhoods and and doing whatever you can to serve the people around you and you're building good character that way because you're following Jesus. Jesus wants to bring out our best. And the way we do this is by following him wherever he leads us. Write down somewhere John 10:10 10, 10, it says the thief comes and and to destroy and and create havoc in our lives. It's a interpretation of that, but it says that Jesus said I have come that you might have life and might have it abundantly to the maximum. And that's what God has called us to, that maximum living, that, 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 that living out where we're exercising and building godly character by following Him. You see, if we choose to follow Him, we will build and, and bring out that good godly character that He wants us to do. So follow Jesus. Next, in building character Jesus' way is to get a little radical and to choose to be countercultural. Now, being countercultural does not mean being a separatist or where we condemn those who are not like us or escape like the Amish. Being countercultural is not being angry at another way or, or thinking or saying all culture is bad. Being countercultural is bringing Jesus' healing power to the world. Look at verse 17. He, that's Jesus, went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there and a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and some were from the coast of Tyre and Sidon and who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled with evil spirits were cured and, all the, people, and, and, and the people all tried to touch him because the power was coming from him and healing them all. That must have been a sight. Just people being healed in the presence of God. Because God, uh, Jesus, has a, this out of control, out of um, this world healing power. And he is the one who changes lives. You know, I think of the, the road that I was heading down and, 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 and coming to him, he, he changed my life. He takes prostitutes and makes them priestesses. He takes murderers and makes them into ministers. Jesus is in the business of changing lives. And his amazing uh, countercultural power does that. And he's called us to be part of that. Write down Matthew chapter 5. Specifically look at verse 15 where it says, You are the salt of the earth. 
You see, salt in those days was, was what was preserved and protected things from decay. And God has placed us in this world to be part of what he's doing, to be part of his counter-cultural uh, movement to make a difference in our world because this world is spinning in a, in a downward swirl towards hell. And he wants to preserve it by, by giving an upward swirl towards this countercultural movement. And that healing power is love. Now we're going to talk about love in a moment as we develop the character of love. But love is part of being countercultural. You see, love gives, but the culture takes. Love is selfless, but the culture breeds selfishness. Love connects but the culture isolates. Love brings peace, but the culture stresses people out. Love introduces people to God, but the culture leads people away from God. If you want to build some good, godly character, then be a little rebel and love. Here's how. Look at verse 20. As he's talking to his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who hunger now. Blessed are you who weep now. Blessed are you when men hate you. What he's saying here is that blessed or happy or fortunate are they because God's countercultural love values those who, are, who the world says are worthless. The poor, the outcast, the hungry, the widow, the orphan. God loves us all. He doesn't just love the, the nice-looking people who get chosen as captains. <laughs> he doesn't just love the rich. He doesn't just love the people who have an easy life. God loves us all. From the homeless guy that walks the streets of our city to its city leaders, even to the people who reject him, God loves them all. And to build character Jesus' way is to love everybody to love like god loves take on a heart that to love the poor and the outcast and the hungry and the widow and the orphan and the homeless that's countercultural that's the power of god's love you see the world sees these as throwaways as not worth our time but if you want to build character jesus way Love the unlovely. As well, we are to choose to avoid the, uh, some great pitfalls in life, some extreme displeasures, some great pains. They're found in heeding the woes that Jesus talks about here in verses 24 to 26. Actually, that's what the, the, woe, the word woe means. It means to, to, to watch out. There are some, some great pitfalls. There are some extreme displeasures. There are some great pains ahead. And here is where those great pains are found. Those who are rich, woe to those who are well fed, woe to those who laugh now, woe to you when all men speak well of you. You see, we are to be cautious not to take on the values of wealth and, and, and having a self-focus or seeking to be popular. They're not God's values. They're not countercultural love. They're selling out to the, to the relevant climate of the day. What we are to do is this next choice to building character Jesus' way, is to choose to love like Jesus. Look at verse 27. Here's countercultural love and, and a love that we should choose. 
But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on your cheek, turn him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. It's a radical love, a love that goes beyond a love like the church in, in Las Vegas who is reaching out to porn stars or like a group of Christians seeking to care for those who are caught up in, in a, a, a homosexuality and, and other issues of life or even us reaching out to those who are mad at God or mad at us or, or mad at Christianity because you see, building the character love is going to take some practice and why not practice where there's some, actually some resistance it's practicing the aspects of love. Now, many are mentioned here, but if you want them in just a couple of verses, it's, it's listed in your notes, uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And love is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the aspects of love, and, and that's what love is. And Jesus gives us here now six practical ways to love. First, it starts with loving Jesus enough to hear him. Verse 27 says, you who hear me. In other words, we've got to tune our ear to listen to Jesus above all the other noise in our life. Do we really listen or are we more listening to that friend who tells us what is right or that others who we compare our life to about how wealthy we should be or what we should buy and purchase or are we really listening to what God says in his word? It starts with listening to him. Number two, verses 27 and 28 that we read goes on to say, do good, bless, meaning to be kind and gracious and giving. So we are to practice those things, to be kind and gracious and giving to all those around us, not just to those who believe, but to all people, to look at ways we, where we can be kind to our neighbor, to the person at work, the person that you sit next to in class, and to our city. Uh, write down Jeremiah 29. Look at verses, oh, I think it starts at about 2 or 3 and, then, and, and go through to 11 or 12. It talks about and the challenges to love the city that God's placed you in. It says to plant gardens and to, 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 to get involved in the city. And one of the things that we're to do is to be gracious and kind and bless our city because God has you here for a reason. He has you in the city you're in for a reason because He wants you to be invested there and to do good in that world. And you're practicing love and building the character of love. Number three, verse 29, we read, don't be vengeful, be giving. It doesn't mean to be weak or to push over. Yes, be a good steward of what God has given you, but don't give up loving and say it's not worth it because Jesus says so. Look at verse 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you, the golden rule. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. You see, we're to love beyond, to push through, to be practical with that, and to, to, to think of ways of, of, of helping out others and being generous with them, and being giving. So let's show this world that Jesus really does love. When you wear the name Christian, let his love show out. Be kind, be a little overkind, help in many ways. For as verse 35 says, But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything in return. 
Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. See, stretching out love like that really builds that character of love. That's an exercise that makes a difference. It's one that really helps you to develop that character of love and to help build character Jesus' way. We are too, as verse 30 and 33 through 34 and 38 says, to be generous and give sacrificially. In other words, to go without so that others can have. This aspect of love is, is what from the Galatians chapter is the word goodness. It's that generous love. And I've got to say, I, I'm so proud of you as a church in the way that you have generously loved uh, Pastor Justin and Suzanne as they have gone through the, uh, the horrific uh, time of dealing with Suzanne's breast cancer. You have been there for them. You've helped them in practical ways, uh, ways that have been just phenomenal. I know it's brought tears to their eyes many times about how you have cared for them. You've been there, you've talked to them, you've prayed with them, you've helped them with practical ways. You have been practicing love. And that is a good thing. And I know that they so much appreciate all that you have done for them. And you've been a great church in showing how to love and we need to continue to do so. Verse 36 says to be merciful as God is merciful. In other words, we're to be compassionate. We're to care about people regardless if they believe in Jesus or not. Your care will point them there. I love the phrase one pastor said long ago. He said, we need to love people to Jesus. To love them so much they go, there is something about you. What is it? (laughs) Let me tell you, I have a Savior who loves even beyond what I can love. And he cares about you and to be able to share them and point them to Christ. Care what your neighbors are going through, what your friends are dealing with, what teachers are experiencing in your city and those things that are happening in your city, because you are where you are because God has placed you there. And He wants to do something through the interactions that you have in your neighborhood, in your business, in your work, in your school, in your city. Verse 37 says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will forgive. See, God's job is to judge, not ours. God's job is to condemn because he can. We can't. We're not perfect. But what we can do is we can forgive. Uh, Forgive, in a sense, well, in definition, means to let go. It means to not have that issue have bearing on you any longer. Uh, There was someone who just irritated me this past week. And, 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 it, and I, I wasn't forgiving them, so it stuck with me the whole time, and I kept mulling over my mind all the good things I could say to kind of come back at what they said to me. And I, I was, oh, and I was not forgiving them. And I was hanging on to it, kept thinking about it, kept mulling it over, and kept thinking about my defense. And finally, I just, the Lord just said, you know, Mike, you, you got to just forgive them. And I forgave them. And I asked the Lord to forgive me for holding that onto them. And sure, I'm still going to talk to them about uh, the, the, the issue that they had with me and why it irritated me. It doesn't mean I don't not talk to them, but it means I let go of its, its control over my life. And forgiveness is letting go. See, to love like Jesus is to practice, to practice these things, to listen to Him, to be kind, 
giving, generous, caring, and forgiving. Or as it says in Galatians 5, 22-23, practice love by practicing joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's love. That's building the character of love. Lastly, to build the character of love, Jesus' way is to choose to build on Jesus' teaching. Three ways he lists here before he has some concluding remarks. The first is to be willing to be led. Verse 39, he shares a parable. The, uh, a blind man cannot lead another blind man. They will both fall into a pit. You know, the blind leading the blind. What we need to be doing is be willing to be led by Jesus. The question is, who are you really following in life? If you're following anybody but Jesus, it's just the blind leading the blind. He is the only one who can see to the future. He is the only one who knows your life in and out. He was intimate, he's intimately acquainted with all of your ways. He knows uh, the very numbers of the hairs on your head. And he knows the options of the future. So it makes sense to follow him. As verse 40 says, we need to be humble. It says a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. We need to learn from the best. You know, if you want to learn how to play guitar or, or, or play some musical instrument or, or lead or, or whatever, everybody wants to look at the best. I want to go to the best and, and learn from them. But why not learn life from the best teacher there is? from Jesus, to submit yourself to his teaching by continually going to his word and and following him and listening to him. And as well, to be teachable and honest, as verse 41 and 42 say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and yet pay no attention to the plank that is in your own eye? Jesus says, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you can look at the speck in your brother's eye. You need to yourself be teachable and be a little introspective of your own life. What really is the character of your life? Asking those questions and, and look at the, the big log that's in your eye instead of pointing out somebody else's character flaws. Make sure that you've dealt with your own as well. But how do you know if you're building good godly character? You know by the, the fruit the evidence of that in your life. Now, I have some fruit trees in my backyard. I have an orange tree. You know why I know it's an orange tree? Well, it did come with a little label on there, but I know it's an orange tree because it produces oranges. I also have a kumquat tree in my backyard. You know how I know it has kumquat, it's a kumquat tree? Because it has little tiny kumquats on it. <laughs> I have a grapevine. It's, you know, it's dormant now, but when it produces, I know it's a grapevine because it produces grapes. See, a tree is known by its fruit. That's what Jesus said. No good tree, verse 43, bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil store that is stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart... His mouth speaks. What comes out of our mouth, the actions of our life, give evidence to the true core character within. 
So if you want to know how you're doing, take a little look at yourself. Do a little fruit inspecting. <laughs> and you will see what's going on in your life. And we're to examine ourselves that way and to build it yet on Jesus' teaching. It all comes down to building upon the foundation of Jesus' teaching. And in this sermon, this famous Sermon on the Mount that, that uh, Luke condenses down to these few verses, has this to say at the very end. And it's, it's, it's right to the point. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It comes right down to that. You know, you say you're a Christian. I say I'm a Christian. Do I really do what Jesus says? You know, I want to build good, godly character. Do I do what Jesus says? He says, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down and laid its foundation on the rock. And when the flood came and the torment struck, the house could not be shaken because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. (laughs) It's putting it into practice. You can hear God's word, but if you're not willing to put it into practice, then that good godly character will not be built. Would you pray with me? Father, as we uh, are thankful for your word this morning, and thankful for the way that you bring about things just at the right time in our own lives. Lord, we're thankful that you allowed us to uh, uh, hear what you wanted us to hear this morning because there are things that we need to hear. I know I needed to hear this this morning. I need the challenge, just like everybody else, to build that good, godly character, to choose to follow you, to choose to be countercultural choose to love like you do and choose to build my life on your foundation and to practice what you say. Thanks for the challenge this morning, Lord. Help each of us uh, move forward and build that good godly character that you desire. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.